Welcome to the Branches Podcast. Following the lead of Jesus, we seek to embrace people regardless of their background or their present ground in the hope they find holy ground. We are a church for people who don't go to church. If you'd like to learn more about the reckless love of Jesus or our community of faith, please visit our website at branchesoc.com. I asked this uh, earlier this week um, involving sickness. So we have some new technology here at Branches we're pretty excited about. So when you came through, we were able to scan you and figure out uh, who's sick and who's not. And so they're able to scan it up here to me and I can give you the percentages. Um, 37% of you have already been sick this season. Um, About 14% of you were sick right after summer, and about 97% of you will be sick at some time during this next month. (laughs) And the way we know that is because it's Christmas. And so we are going through this series, uh, The Voices of Christmas, the different, last week we talked about the voice of money, uh, lowercase v, not big v, but lowercase v. And so today we're going to talk about the voice lowercase v of the calendar. But um, the thing about the calendar is, is, does anybody know what, where the word came from? Does anybody even know what the word means? Any historians here? Cool. So even the, I looked, I scanned over at the history teacher to see if he knew and he kind of like, so if he doesn't know, that makes me the smartest historian in the room. So pay attention. <laughs> so the calendar began, of course, because we all know this, it began with the Romans. So they had the, um, the Julian calendar, and that's why, so when you look at July, that's for Julius, Julius Caesar, August, Augustus. So the Roman Senate, it was called something else, and the Roman Senate came in and goes, no, let's honor our Caesars, and they added those names. But they created this calendar. Then um, Pope Gregory came in, made some tweaks, and out of his great humility, he called it the Gregorian calendar. And so for us, we operate for the most part on the Gregorian calendar. But the word calendar comes from this word, one word called kalend. And it's, a, it's from the Roman culture. And it's, they called it the first day of the month. And you may know it just like they did. It's when all your bills were due. And so when anything was due, it was due on the kalend. C-A-L-E-N-D. And so they based this whole calendar around that time when everybody had to pay. So you can imagine, because we talked about it last week, the experience of, oh gosh, this is what I owe. Isn't that kind of what time feels like sometimes? Like there just isn't enough, and like you're already in debt? And when it comes to the, the, our calendar, not January, February, March, but the, the season of life, When it gets to December, there's no time when it feels like we owe time more than during this month. And it creates this anxiety, it creates this stress, it's that lowercase voice of the calendar where you just know there is not enough time to squeeze everything in. We have some really good friends. Um, I actually asked for his permission for my wife's hand in marriage. It's not Steph's dad, but a man that stood in, in her life. And so I asked him for her hand in marriage, and they had their 50th wedding anniversary last night. And you'd see people coming in, 
And then you'd see them leaving. And then you'd see people coming in and people leaving. And some of the people we knew, oh, where are you going? We don't, you don't even have to ask, do you? You know where they're going. To the next party. Because there are all these things scheduled, so they can't ever be anywhere completely. So they've got to kind of cut themselves into different pieces and spread themselves around. And that's exhausting. There's this sense of just anxiousness, but fatigue. However, on the calendar, that's how you can approach it. But there's also another way to approach it because there's this whole group of people that on the calendar, they're the ones getting paid. People owe them money. So they are looking at it like, woohoo, payday. They're excited. You have this one group of people that are exhausted, fatigued, going, oh, I have to give all this up. And then these other people going, woohoo, look what I get. Exciting. It's almost like a kid for Christmas. You ask a kid about Christmas, none of them go, oh, it's going to be a busy month. I don't know how I'm going to squeeze it all in. All they're thinking about, first off, we, we know what they're already at, presents. They're all pumped up about what they're going to get present-wise. Then they think about the parties. They think about the family trips. They think about all the cookies and the candy and the chocolate and school's out. It's a party for them. So most of this really is our attitude. I was going to take us on a, on a, on a death journey. I was going to take me back to my deathbed, but we're going to skip that for right now. So what I want you to do is open up um, to John chapter 1, because here in John chapter 1, um, we're talking about the voices. And I want to make sure for those of you that weren't with us last week and didn't know what we're doing, um, in John chapter 1, uh, John is trying to describe Jesus. And he says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God and was with God. And through all things, they came to be through the word. And you hear that word, word, and you're like, what the heck does that mean? And it comes from the original language, logos. But there's a Bible translation that I really like, and I love the way that they translated this. They took the word, logos, and they changed it to the voice. Because there's action to it. There's, there's a verb to it. And in, and in God and in Christ, there is this sense of motion. Word, taking a bunch of letters and putting them together in a unit and stopping there isn't enough. And so in English, voice seems like it, it does things that are valuable for us to see. And we read this this morning. Before time itself was measured, the voice was speaking. The voice was and is God. This celestial word remained ever present with the creator. His speech shaped the entire cosmos. Immersed in the practice of creating, all things that exist were birthed in him. And at the end of last Sunday, we shared this passage because in this, it, when you hear all these other voices any voice other than the voice is going to cause fatigue. It's going to cause exhaustion. It's going to cost, cost peace. It's going to cost you this sense of understanding. But the voice creates. His breath filled all things with a living, breathing light. That's what God does. That's what Christ does. A light that thrives in the depths of darkness. 
blazes through murky bottoms. It cannot and will not be quenched. And obviously, what we're talking about this morning isn't just for the Christmas season. This is for life. This is for January. This is for February. Even July will throw in October. All of this is covered in that. What we're going to do as we talk about this exhaustion, as we talk about this fatigue from the voice of the calendar and whatever other voices you may be dealing with, we're going to look at Elijah. Because when you look in Scripture, there's a time when I believe that our exhaustion and fatigue is defined so clearly in another person. And this person, Elijah, is the type of person that um, one of the men just fell down, Obadiah, he fell down in awe of Elijah. You know those type of people you look up to where you think they just never struggle, they never go through things, they're powerful, that this lady or this man just has this aura around them of having it all together? Elijah is the definition of that. And yet, as we look at this morning, he's also the definition of complete exhaustion. So if you could, go with me to 1 Kings 19.4. Because one of the things that happens with exhaustion, one of the things that happens when we reach our end, is we depreciate our worth. We depreciate our worth, our value. And that's what happens to Elijah here. Now, let's go back a little bit and see what's happened here with Elijah. Um, Elijah, it, well, you know what? I'm going to save it. I'm going to pull a full, we did it last week. I'll do it again this week. We're going to pull Tarantino. You don't know who he is? Ask me later. We're going to share right now, and then we're going to go back and see where this came from. So we're going to just meet him at his point of absolute exhaustion, and then we'll say how we got there. So here he is. It says, um, he sat down under a solitary broom tree, and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord. He said, take my life, for I'm no better than my ancestors who have already died. He's depreciating his worth. I like the fact that he's under a solitary broom tree because it fits with the season. Maybe some of you have done that at your Christmas tree. Maybe you said, look, I've had enough. But he says this, he says, take my life, for I'm no better than my ancestors. So what he's doing is he's, he's depreciating who he is. Is that maybe what's happening to you during this time? Are you maybe starting to compare your accomplishments and your talents, your pain or your problems with others? Do you find yourself doing that? Because we do that when we're tired. We do that when we're fatigued. We can't see clearly, and so we start to devalue ourselves, just like Elijah does here. Here in Elijah 19, it shows us that Elijah, in his exhaustion, he considered himself a failure. When we get tired, when we get worn out, we start to call ourselves failures. And here Elijah says, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you. They've torn down your altars, and they've killed every one of your prophets. Which means, hey, all the work I've done, it didn't even do anything. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. That's why for us, we have to remind ourselves by calling this church, this community of faith, branches. Because it's from John 15, 5. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. 
but apart from me, you can do nothing. Elijah here is so tired, he forgets that anything that comes out of him comes from the Lord. Another thing that we do when we are tired and exhausted like Elijah, we exaggerate our problems. Elijah here says, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken down their covenant with you. They've torn down your altars and they've killed every one of your prophets. I'm the only one left and now they're trying to kill me too. So he is freaking out because one woman got angry that he took out all of her prophets. And so she has threatened him and said, I'm going to take you out. And he completely loses it. He exaggerates the situation that he's in. It's not a great situation, but he's been in much worse. He was just in much worse like an hour ago. And yet at this point, it seems like something that is just overwhelming, something that if she wanted to take him out, she wouldn't be talking about it. I have a friend that's in the uh, special forces, and he says, if anyone ever points a gun at you, they're not really trying to kill you. It's not like the movies. They don't sit there and point and talk to you. If they want to take you out, they just take you out. They don't talk about it. And so he taught us all these fancy ways. We were actually in a warehouse, and he showed me ways to like, so if you pull a gun right now, I will take you out. <laughs> but then again, I know if you pull out the gun, you're not even serious about it. Because if you really wanted to kill me, you would just shoot. And so here Elijah is just freaking out because some lady threatened him. If she really wanted to or could take him out, she would just do it. She wouldn't go, by the way, this is what I'm going to do. You don't do that. And yet in all of his situation, he's exaggerating the situation. He also says, I'm the only one left and now they're trying to kill me too. That's a lie. It's not the truth. In fact, later here in verse 18, God says, I still have 7,000 who follow me. So in our situation of exhaustion, when you're going through this season, maybe it's in January, maybe it's in March, maybe it's right now, when the voice of the calendar, when you feel like you don't, you're, you're in time debt, you don't have enough to go around. When you get into that situation and you start to exaggerate your problems, remember, you're exaggerating your problems. But when you are rested, you can see clearly. So as we look at this situation, we see Elijah, we got to figure out, wait a minute, how did he get here? How did he get to this situation where he says here in 1 Kings 19.4, I've had enough, take my life. How do you get to this place? Some of you may be even feeling that way. Christmas is the time when suicide rates go off the chart because people can't see clearly. They give up. Or some of you just... You just wake up in the morning, you go, I'm not doing anything today because you give up for that day. You're like, I can't do it. I'm in time debt. I can't do this. And you feel like Elijah. Well, you're in good company because Elijah is a man of God, a powerful man of God, but we all reach our end. So this is how he gets to this situation. So this is a, I'm not going to give all the details because it's such an amazing situation, but I want to highlight a few things. Um, Elijah decides to take on all of Jezebel's prophets, all of them, 450 of one kind, and then 400, I can't pronounce the name, starts with a letter A and an S and an H, and can't pronounce it correctly, so I won't try to fake it in front of you, but he tries to take on all of these, these prophets. He says, look, if your God is real, let's set up some wood here, because that's how 
in their time, God would represent himself in fire or in the shaking of the earth or in wind. Those are primary ways. So when you think of the band Earth, Wind, and Fire, that's probably where they got it from. Because God was represented that way. I mean, you think of, of primitive cultures when they, when they can't see the earth and they don't understand um, meteorology. When they see enormous things happen, they attribute it to God. And so that's how God is attributed. So he says, all right then, if your God is real, then all of you, all 850 of you versus me, why don't you pray to your God and see if he can light that wood on fire? And so he has them do that. And while they're doing it, we have the trash-talking prophet here. This is what he says. And this is, this is not some crazy translation. Pull out whatever translation you got. This is Elijah, a man of God, talking to these other prophets. Because nothing's happening. The wood's not lighting up. Nothing. They're praying, they're talking, they're dancing, they're singing. And he says this, Oh, you'll have to shout louder, for surely he's a god. Perhaps he's daydreaming. Or maybe he's relieving himself. Now, these are all situations, by the way, for Baal, the god that they're asking to do this. These are situations that are part of their history. In the Ugaritic text, it has these stories. So he's pulling out stories from the history. Oh, yeah. Maybe he's daydreaming because there was a time when he's daydreaming. Maybe he's relieving himself. They have a situation where their God relieves himself. Or maybe he's away on a trip. Maybe he's asleep and needs to be wakened. I mean, this guy, as my friend would say, would, Elijah would be amazing on Twitter. Oh, what up? Hashtag can't pull it off. Hashtag maybe next time. I don't know what he'd write, but he's just talking them down, which is a lot different than the guy that we see later is underneath a tree saying, just take me. I'm worthless. I can't do anything. Just let me give up. But at this time, he's taking them all on. And so then he prays for his pile of wood. And before he does that, he says, you know, why don't you guys just drench it with some water? Why don't you just, well, you know what, let's b build a moat around it. And then just, just soak it down. Like, now he's really talking trash, right? And so he waits until this whole pile is just completely filled with water, and then he prays to God, and he says, you know what, show them who you are. And of course, it just lights up. And then at that point, all the people that are watching this, this battle, so to speak, he's, Elijah says, now take out all the prophets. They are not of God. They are false. This is Elijah. So how did he get from this point to where we see him? Then the Lord gave special strength to Elijah. I don't know what that means. I've, I've experienced something like that before. Some of you have this, this energy that comes into you and you feel like, ah, oh, I feel better. But some, there's times when you just feel better and then there's times when you know God is supporting you. It happens to me just about every time I'm teaching. When I was really sick, I'd be coughing and freaking out. And then when it was time to teach... And not many people knew I was sick, but they would go, you didn't cough one time during the message. And then as soon as I walk off, <laughs> I'd be coughing. Last Sunday, I was a complete mess. Complete mess. And yet the Lord gives you the strength you need when you need it. And so here Elijah is, he's done all of this amazing stuff, and so he's drained. And so God gives him strength. And the Lord gave special strength to Elijah says he tucked his cloak into his belt, which in some of your translations, it'll say he girded his loins. And you're like, what the heck? It just means you tuck your shirt in so you can run. So he takes his belt, tucks it in, 
And then he runs ahead of Ahab's chariot all the way to the entrance of Jezreel. So here he is, Ahab the king. And I don't know what he's doing here, but he decides, you know what, let's go for a run now. He runs 15 to 20 miles to the gates of Jezreel from where they are at Mount Carmel. I believe, I've heard some other people say this, some other commentaries, but when I look at this, I believe that the reason Elijah was so exhausted was because he took this strength that God gave him, this resource, and he now decides to go for a run all pumped up about what just happened. Yeah! And he starts running 15 to 20 miles in front of Ahab all the way. Why? God doesn't call him to do that. I don't know if he's disobeying God. I don't know, but it, it, he takes the strength he has left, this extra strength he's given, and if, you know, I'm gonna try it right now. I'm gonna try to get fancy. Because I'm gonna circle a word for you, or try to circle a word. Let's see how I do it. Oh yeah, you see it? That's how fancy we are here. We see if you're healthy or sick through the scan, and now I can do it. And the word that I'm trying to highlight there is and. Why? We sometimes, and especially during this season, get to this point of absolute exhaustion because of the and. Well, I've got to do that, because if I don't do that, then, but I think I have a little extra time. I could squeeze this in right before... Why? I believe Elijah gets to this point because of the ant. I believe he gets to this point because he decides, you know what? I got a little bit extra in the tank. Let's run in front of Ahab. Not just because, I mean, it's a, there's symbolism to it because they would have the herald run in front of the king. So there's some symbolism, there's some reasoning for it, but it's not necessary. And so after that, that's when he gets to this point where he's completely messed up. Jezebel then says to Elijah, may the God strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I've not killed you just as you killed them. You would expect the guy that just did all of that and then just went for the 15-mile run to then go, yeah, whatever, nice try, chica. But no, he falls apart. He absolutely loses it. So then how do we get healthy again? Because it's one, to say, one thing to say, like, don't ever make a mistake. Don't ever do the and, but we're going to do it, right? I want to encourage us strongly to step back and say, God, is, is your voice calling me to this? Do I need to go to this family commitment, or do I need to do this, or do I need to go buy that? Is this something that you're calling me to, or do I just feel like I have a little bit extra, and am I spending it incorrectly, whether it be money or time? But this is what God does for him. Because Elijah needs to be fixed. Elijah needs to be refreshed. So just before this, um, we've read all of what he said, Elijah. Then God says this. He says, he sends an angel and he puts him to sleep. Puts Elijah to sleep and then he feeds him. Then he wakes him up again feeds him, puts him back to sleep. It's a pattern. So one of the primary things that we need to do, take a nap. 
one of the primary things we need to do is to eat healthy. This period of time is called the holidays, right? Some of you may call it Christmas vacation, but we call it the holiday. Holiday means holy day, something that's set aside for God. And so during that time, we should give God our best, which is crazy because last night I was looking at chocolate chip cookies. I was looking at some kind of pudding thing. I didn't know what it was, but I can tell you something about all of that. It ain't good for me. I can tell you that it's going to break my body down. It's going to make me 97% possibly sick. God knows what's best for us. So what does he do? We need sleep and we need food. I know it seems so basic, but that's what he needed. That's what Elijah needed. That's what we need. So he puts him to sleep. And then after he's refreshed, he says, go out and stand before me on the mountain. So Elijah stands there. And the Lord passed by and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast, the rocks were torn loose. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. Now remember, all of those examples, those are examples of what Baal would do, of what the other gods, what they expected, that he would show up in fire or in the shaking of the earth or in the wind. And so Elijah's out and he has his cloak on and he's waiting for God because God says, I'm going to show up now. But in all of those dramatic ways, God wasn't in that. And after the fire, there was the sound of a gentle whisper. Now that word gentle whisper, if you translate it literally, means the thin silence. How beautiful is that? The thin silence. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and he went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And a voice, the voice, said, what are you doing here, Elijah? And as we know, God's not asking, what are you doing here, Elijah? He wants to ask Elijah, what, what are you doing here? How did you get here? That's the question for us. When you can get to that thin silence, when you're absolutely at your wit's end, and you rest, and you eat, and you rest, and you eat, and you can stand before God, and you come to him in that thin silence, he'll probably ask you the same question. So, how'd you get here? like a teachable moment. It's a learning moment. When I think of the thin silence, um, I think of noise-canceling headphones. I didn't understand. I, I've studied it. I've tried to figure it out. I've studied the waves. I've studied the physics of it, and it's very confusing. So, like I said, we're pretty fancy here. So I talked to Eric Miller in the back. I said, Eric, explain to me. I've seen the YouTube videos. I've read the articles. I'm still confused because that's his area of expertise. He said this. Pay attention, this is good. He said, you know how when you get on a plane? And I was like, yeah, because that's how noise-canceling headphones were created. I believe his first name was Charles. Um, I should have remembered that. But anyways, the guy Bose, you know, Bose sound, he was on the plane. He put on those little cruddy headphones, you know, that they used to make you pay for. You have to pay like five bucks if you wanted to watch a movie, one movie. So he put those on. So he put those on. He's back at the engines. They're going on. He's like, this is ridiculous. 
So he pulls out a scrap sheet of paper and starts designing the noise-canceling headphones. So he's back there because he hears all of this noise, this white noise. And he wants to be able to hear that one voice, that one signal, and so he wants to figure out how to do this. So how do you cancel that out? So what he did is he created in these headphones, it's, it's white noise. And so Eric goes, do you know what white noise is? And I'm thinking I do, and then he explains it. He says, it's pretty much the summation of all sound put together. The summation of all sound put together. And when you bring that in, it cancels out all the outside noise and creates a thin silence. So now you can hear the signal that you're trying to hear. That's what we need to do. We need to put ourselves in a position to, he to create thin silence. Let God, the ultimate, the, the, the compilation of all sound, let him cancel all that out so that we can hear his Voice, the signal that he wants to send to you. Because that's what this calendar can sometimes be, is just a bunch of noise. So what I want to do is give you clear direction on what we've learned from this passage and what God can give us as direction like he did with Elijah in his situation. Number one, eat and sleep. I think I made that one clear. But one that I didn't make clear was to vent. Do you know that you have permission to vent with God? You know what it's called? It's called prayer. No, really, when you vent, that counts as prayer. Prayer isn't like, oh, dear God, thank you for this month. I'm really thankful that I have no money, and now I'm going to owe money in January and February. Thank you that I feel as if everybody's... Don't lie. Be honest. That's called worship. That's when you trust God. And so here Elijah is, a man of God, doing what people of God do, being honest in front of God and saying, look at all this. And although most of what he's saying is a bunch of baloney, he's still being honest and transparent and sincere before God. That's worship. That's prayer. Then get alone with him. If Jesus had to get alone to be with God, we've got to do it. When you read scripture, you cannot turn a page with going, oh, there Jesus is. Again, getting away to be alone with God, to separate from all of the voices, to get rid of all the noise so that he can be alone with his father. Create that pattern. And then I want to close with this because I think this is such a beautiful passage. Because when you can't see anything and, and the exhaustion and the weight is too much, Listen to what the voice says here, what Jesus says in Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30. If you are tired from carrying heavy burdens, come to me and I will give you rest. Take the yoke I give you. As we've looked at before, the yoke is, is the job. Take the work that I have for you. Because if you are exhausted, if you are absolutely fatigued, you're probably doing a work that I didn't give to you. You're doing the and. Take the yoke I give you, put it on your shoulders, and learn from me. I am gentle and humble, and you will find rest. This yoke, this work, this life is easy to bear, and this burden is light. Father, 
I ask that you would give us eyes to see. Probably more importantly, Lord, give us ears to hear. There's a lot of noise. There's a lot happening. And you give us this opportunity to sit before you. You give us this opportunity to sit in your thin silence, but we have to confess that we get taken away by the season. Um, By the glitter and, and the craziness and usually our own fears of trying to please other people. Lord, may we see who we really are through your eyes. May we see our value. May we see our worth. And when we get tired and exhausted and we can't see clearly, Father, show us how to eat and sleep, how to come to you, how to be honest before you, and let you put us back together. And Lord, we know this is going to keep happening because we're restless. But uh, we want to fall at your feet and develop that pattern over and over through our life. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hey there. Perfect. (laughs) Nothing to place that on. I've been asked to close this out and uh, get that text message. If you haven't seen the movie we made about it, YouTube. Um, It's a Friday, and Boogie Ass, close us out. Yeah. So I spend a little time trying to think and make sure my heart's prepared. And uh, as usual nothing works out as far as what I think I'm supposed to say so I guess that's perfect Um, I always tell my daughter if you're ready you ain't gotta get ready so just trying to be in a place where you're listening and and thinking and concentrating and and maybe meditating on different things that you're learning throughout the week um I guess that's what I was really just supposed to be doing. So, you know, I, I like this, a voice. You know, how are you going to hear a voice if you're running a race? If you're moving so fast that a whisper isn't going to be heard, you're going to miss it. So, I guess when I want to encourage myself and you guys to do is just like it was said slow it down take the time to rest open up and listen and with that I want to close out with uh, Jude it says now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to prevent you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. So branches, slow it down. Slow it down and enjoy the time you have.